Get ready for Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. It's emergency preparedness for everyone. Brought to you by True Prep. For all your prepping needs, visit True Prep online at truprep.com or visit a True Prep store in Roswell or Marietta. Listen in as Doug and Aaron provide helpful tips on how to get ready. Ready or not, here comes Ready Radio. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Ready Radio, and this has been a, a really exciting week, hasn't it? I mean, with, with the snow emergency that was declared here in Atlanta and everybody getting so so stressed out on, on Sunday night and people making runs to the store for bread and milk, and come Monday morning, we had a whole bunch of nothing. And you look around at all the schools that had closed and the people who had just flipped out in terror of the oncoming winter storm, which didn't really materialize Sunday night into Monday. Um, and you think, you know, why why are people so skittish about storms? And and then you know we remember snowpocalypse last year where half of Atlanta was stranded on 285. You know, I kind of think that snowpocalypse in Atlanta was like the the ice game with the Green Bay Packers back in in the late 70s. You ever hear about that? They played and it was 30 below and and, it, and the ball was frozen and there was like 3 inches of snow on the field and you and couldn't even And there's not froze to their like mustaches. And and the the stadium holds like 5,000 people, but there's apparently about 100,000 people who will tell you they've been there. Oh yeah, that's yeah. The, well, I mean, well, that's kind of like Atlanta. Brian Williams, right? He yeah, was Brian there. Brian Williams was there. <laughs> um, half of Atlanta, along with Brian Williams, was stuck on 285 last year, and so people were really freaked out that the idea of here comes winter weather again. Well, I mean, I heard Brian Williams last year on 285 built a bonfire to keep everyone warm. Is that true? Yes, that is a true story. True story. Absolutely true story. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's another interesting topic is Brian Williams and professionalism and journalism, and I think that that would be an interesting thing to do someday. But today, with with the week and weather, I think we need to focus in on, you know, being prepared for a winter storm. And it's timely, and it's, you know, fixing the barn door after the horses come home because we've had the winter weather pop up on us and everyone freaked out. But What winter weather? I mean, they were predicting it, predicting it, predicting it, and then the, the line kept moving further and further north until it was no longer any of us. Well, and they called off school, and there's a bunch of kids that have a snow day with no snow. Yeah, they can go out there and build their their dustmen. <laughs> <laughs> dustman. You know, it's it's an interesting. It's it's very cultural. It's an interesting thing because you know it is. It's very locational because last year, um, I was driving for a expediting company, and I was up north a lot. And I was visiting Allentown, Pennsylvania. Oh, almost living here in weekly. Allentown. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> almost weekly. And I would drive in, and the snow would be horrible. And the kids were still going to school. The buses were still out. Not here, man. We're talking 12 to 14 inches of snow sometimes there at a time. Mm-hmm. The kids are still going to school. Well, I can top that. The kids went to school every day in Alaska. Yeah, all summer, too. Yeah. <laughs> summer and, what's summer yeah and and you know in they, they said well you know they up north they do all the stuff they're supposed to do and we just you know don't bother to ice you know salt the roads for ice or take care of things and that's why it's more dangerous here dillingham they didn't have any salt no the people up there just aren't morons no offense but i mean the people down here they go oh i've got a four-wheel drive suv i'm cool and then they're the first idiot you see flipped over in the ditch. Oh, I'll, I'll give you that one. When I first moved here, okay, mm-hmm. it was 2000, 
2001, and it was the winter of 2001, and they were predicting snow. And I thought, oh, cool. So here I am in, in Atlanta. I've got a, a classic Corvette as my only mode of transportation. I figure I'm going to be stuck here for about a day or two because I'm not moving my car in snow. So I hunkered down, and the next morning I went to bed and turned on the heater. Next morning I woke up and looked outside, and there was no snow. I mean, there was like a dusting, but there wasn't anything exciting. So I went out and hopped in my car because there wasn't enough snow for me to feel uncomfortable driving a rear-wheel drive with 400 horsepower around on the freeway. So I took off, and I'm driving down. It was uh, Highway 78 in Stone Mountain, and I'm there. The only other car on the entire road is this Cadillac Escalade, and I'm following him. And there's a little bit of ice in the, the between the two lanes, but the lanes are dry and clear. And the dude starts to get over into the fast lane for what reason I cannot fathom because there wasn't a single other car there except for me. And when he got into the middle, his, his tires hit the ice. And he did this like weird break and turn the wheel maneuver since his two tires had hit ice and managed to roll himself right into the ditch in front of me. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap. There's a, there's literally a strip of ice about a foot and a half wide on the entire road. And he's in a four-wheel drive SUV with traction control. And he managed to spin it out on a foot and a half strip of ice. This takes talent. Well, thank God there wasn't a banana peeler. He'd have been screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and here I'm driving around in a rear-wheel drive sports car, and I don't have any trouble with it. And then I go into town thinking, you know, there's no real snow, so it's not going to be a big deal. And everything's closed. Even the Blockbuster was closed. I mean, I had never seen a Blockbuster closed for snow in my life in Minnesota, ever. That's when they do their bumper business because everyone wants to go everybody get a movie. Everybody wants to watch a movie while they're snowed in. Yeah. Right. So they never – I mean, Blockbuster in Minnesota was equivalent to Waffle House in Georgia. They, they had, like, emergency plans to keep the place running during a snow <laughs> problem. You know, they would drag out the generators so that you could still find your B-horror movie in the back shelves. But – they were closed. Everything was closed. So I went back home, and it was really disappointing because there was no snow. Wow. No snow in Atlanta. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> yeah. That's a good reason to shut down the city, not having any snow. So here we are looking out at this last week and, and you know, the weather that we did get. And, you know, so we, we got some. but a little it, rain. It wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. And nobody was stuck on 285 for two days straight because they all stayed home. Monday morning, I drove into Atlanta, and what would normally be an hour and a half drive was like 25 minutes. Whoosh. Really? Yeah, it was it was speed limit ride all the way, and the, the lanes weren't clogged shut. Warp non-warp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Engage. So I, I don't know what to tell you. This, this is an odd way of living where people go into panic mode over the idea of weather. And I think that that's one of the purposes of this show is to talk about a ways that you cannot have to panic for everyday occurrences, you know, at least. I have traveled all over the United States, and never in my life have I seen anyone until I moved to Atlanta that panics over raindrops. Raindrops keep falling. But these people head. act like they're made of acid, and you have to avoid them. I mean, really. And it just blows my mind when it starts raining, the traffic backs up. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I understand you guys don't want to go full bore with the speeding thing like you usually do. But, 120 on 285. But, you know, the speed limit's fine. You know, the, the 
the freeway designation is not a minimum speed. So, you know, 75, 85, 285. It seems like that people seem to take those signs as being speed limit signs. In Atlanta, if you're not going 90 miles an hour, they're going to run you off the road. Yeah, pretty much. That's how I feel. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody actually run off the road, but I've seen the cops stop all lanes of traffic at once. Yeah. Down near the the Cory Tower. Mm -hmm. The Cory Tower. The Cory Tower. The Cory Monument. A monument to both Corys, Feldman and Haim. Is that what that is? (laughs) There's a thing on YouTube. Um, It's... it's, um, Fillmore Sturgis is Atlanta, and it is absolutely hilarious. And it, it, they go through Atlanta in kind of like one of those 60s-era slideshows where they'd play the audio cassette or the record, and then you'd hit the button and flip the slide so the kids could see what was going on before they had TV in the classrooms. And I, I actually have experienced that. One of the schools I went to used that when I was a kid. And it, it, you hear this beep, and you flip the slide. And this thing on YouTube is just like that. It's these slides of, you know, showing a tourism of Atlanta, and why you would want to come visit. It's, it's not quite as good as a Futurama episode on the lost city of Atlanta at the bottom of the ocean, but it still was pretty good. It's called Sturgis Fillmore Presents Atlanta. Atlanta, city of palindrome. So join us as we explore at Nalta. It's pretty funny when they're talking about the World Congress Center being neither worldly or congressional. Nor in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> it's in Georgia. It's, yeah. it's one of those, like, parody type. They, they show the, the, the Georgia Capitol with its gold dome, and they use a picture of a Waffle House. <laughs> yeah. Um, where they serve up legislation scattered, smothered, and covered. Uh, yeah, I mean, we heard from Jim and Jerry Henry that some of that <laughs> is smothered and covered. Yeah, <laughs> or at least full of something. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so yes, but you know, we're here. We are trying to get better prepared for winter weather, and the the best thing that people need to learn how to do is to you know follow up uh, the page, actually the cover of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right? Wow! Don't panic. Always panic if you live in Atlanta. (laughs) And and always bring your towel. A, pack a a trunk load of of an extra blanket, Mm -hmm. first aid kit, some snacks, Snacks, some water, water. and possibly a bucket to peer poo in if you get stranded on the side of the road. (laughs) B, (laughs) panic. Have a gun. These people are dangerous. There's people who get murdered because of Craigslist in this city. Really? Does Did, that really happen? A lot. Really? Do you didn't hear about the Marietta couple? Well, why don't you tell me about the Marietta couple when we come back from this commercial break? Folks, you're listening to Ready Radio this Saturday morning right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town. And now back to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, when we took our commercial break, Aaron was just telling me how it's it's too dangerous to buy things off of Craigslist here in Atlanta, especially during winter weather. So what, what were you saying about Marietta couple? June and Bud Runyon. Did you hear about this couple that they were going? Their live stream had been, had been to buy a 1966 Mustang. And they should have wanted a Corvette. Uh, that's you. 
I'm with them on the Mustang. But anyway. Let's just let's just see how this plays out for Mustang lovers. They went out down south. I can't even remember what county it was. It was like. Was it Upson County? No, it was not Upson County. But that wouldn't surprise me at all with the way they treat little autistic children in Upson County. Here's a shout out to Upson County. Um, the Anyway, they go to look at the car. The guy answers their ad and they had put an ad up saying they were looking for vintage 1966 mustang so he answers it and says hey i've got your mustang you gotta bring cash meet me here and he robs them and kills them and pushes their car into a lake allegedly well allegedly heck allegedly oh yeah yeah you're an attorney but you know it makes me a little iffy about buying anything on craigslist and going to meet somebody to get it and and i urge our listeners here you know, we're all preppers, and we tend to like to get a good deal, and and especially if it's a good deal on something incredible. And when you go to meet somebody off Craigslist or when, any other website, do it in a public place, well lit. When, the best place I can recommend is the police station parking lot. I love it when people go to buy a, a gun off the Outdoor Trader or, or um, one of the many Facebook gun for sale places and do their transactions right in the police parking lot that really gets some attention does it really yeah what do they do what do the police do they flip out do they really yeah you start to you pull up with a open your trunk and pull out a rifle and you know it just goes downhill from there why i don't know that's just I mean, as long as you're not like walking towards their building <laughs> they they take high offense to that for some reason anyway um okay well let's do that one in the walmart parking lot then <laughs> there you go and and yeah when you're meeting up with someone on craigslist for your magic beans you really should be cautious because you never know what people are like out there but we need to we need to focus in on other ways that we can be better prepared and Finding you know good deals on Craigslist or the Outdoors Trader or any of those other outlets that where you can find things that are used and recycle and make new use for them. I know Craigslist is a, a bountiful place for mason jars and for um, 55-gallon steel drums for burn barrels and things like that. But it, it is something that people need to be conscious of. Now, most of the time I hear people being ripped off, especially in my line of work through Craigslist, it is over one particular piece of personal property for sale. Do you care to hazard a guess where most people I would get say wrong? that it's cell phones. Exactly. Because they are blocked in the system of the company that the, the provider of the cell phone and people sell them like they're okay. Well that's that's one IMEI of, numbers are blocked. That's one kind of rip off where you sell something that can't be used. But I, I the most of the flat out robberies where it's meet me with cash and then they rob them and never have something to trade those seem to be cell phones. Okay, and there was a guy who was a, a university student around here that last week or week before was murdered in his search for an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And they're still looking for the culprits, I believe, on that one. Yeah, and the murders get the attention, but there are dozens of cell phone robberies like that. I'm telling you, week. with me and you, we both carry. It would be an attempted robbery. Yeah, well, you know, that's the, <laughs> that's the idea is that people who have the ability to to carry a firearm, you know, are able to defend themselves. And I think that when you get a higher and higher proportion of people, you don't hear these kind of robberies in rural Georgia because there's a much higher proportion of people who carry. When you get into Atlanta where people are less likely to defend themselves, you see the the crime rate go higher. Well, I think that's also a, a per capita populist issue as well. 
I mean, we got to take that part of it into consideration. There's a million people in this city daily. There's not a million people in Calhoun daily. No, but if you take all of rural Georgia and lump it together, you still won't have the crime rate that you have in a major city. No. And I wonder, I kind of wonder why that is. If you take the same amount of population of people and you spread them out a little bit, I think it's just they just don't step on each other's toes or come across each other as, as often. I, I think that there's a higher fear of having something bad happen for doing wrong in smaller areas because your percentage of people who are able to defend themselves is higher. So here in Atlanta, you might have a one in a thousand chance of running into somebody who would defend themselves against you, whereas in rural Georgia, you might have a one in four chance. And those odds just aren't that good. You know, I have a friend that enjoys going into local restaurants here in the downtown Atlanta area to see if they're gun friendly or not. Mm -hmm. And he did the Vortex Ah, a few weeks ago i've been there a couple weeks Uh, ago i didn't care for it oh you didn't care for it i didn't care for it there was too much blue cheese on my burger the last time i went i've got to i've got to say that a little bit of blue cheese is great a lot not so much i love blue cheese it tasted like funky gym feet i i got (laughs) i i got their their meal the um the big double bypass i thought you know this is gonna be a massive sandwich it's gonna be awesome it wasn't that massive and it wasn't that awesome and i mean their their fried pickles were okay probably the better fried pickles i've had because they did spears instead of slices and i liked that a lot more oh yeah but overall the best thing in the whole place was a salad and for bar food to say the best thing was a salad is pretty sad yeah well they've got other claims to fame there other than the burgers you know yeah like the giant wooden phallus in, in the lobby yeah yeah anyway um he our friend goes and checks out the store's local restaurants to see who's gun friendly and he posts them online and so i'm tempted sometimes to go in a few days after him just to see if they're still gun friendly or if they got offended Uh uh-huh and have you done this experiment absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) but i i was there when he went in one restaurant, they were they did not say anything to him about open carrying, and it was very laid back. So well, they, nobody should. I mean, these people people who carry a gun are the safest people on earth. The people that will carry a gun and let you know they have it do not intend to hurt you with it. It's the ones that have a gun illegally <laughs> and are pro- previously convicted of crimes. You know uh, they. Well, you heard about the synagogue shooting in in Europe this last week. The the gunman was finally shot to death by authorities. Did they shoot him in the synagogue? No, he had escaped, but they tracked him down and they shot him. And it turns out that the gunman um, had prior convictions for illegal weapons possession, which means he wasn't allowed to own the weapons that he used in the synagogue shooting, which means that this is some kind of temporal paradox. Well, when... (laughs) When people get convicted of crimes involving firearms and they're no longer allowed to ha- own a firearm, but does that stop them from buying a firearm? Well, in so, there, no, no. There's a lot of there's a lot of people down here on the streets in the middle of town that go, "Hey, you want a gun? I got guns in the back of the car. I'll sell you a gun." And those are illegal guns. Mm-hmm. And those are guns that that nobody knows where they are, and they're probably most of them stolen. Well, nobody knows where guns are once they leave the the FFL anyway, because there's no like national registry or tracking system for firearms. No, I'm saying that the guns that here that have been stolen aren't even known their whereabouts by their real owners. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying these people bought these things 
probably legally but through an FFL or may have bought them legally through a guy on a Craigslist ad or not Craigslist but say outdoor trader yeah. where he was wanting to sell a handgun either way it was a, a legal purchase mm-hmm. and but even with those you know sometimes we don't know for sure <laughs> if that person is a convicted felon or not there's no way to know well that's what the Democrats are trying to improve on by requiring you to make sure that you sell it through an FFL every time it's traded but see I am a law-abiding citizen and it, and it is my right to own those guns. And it is not fair for me to be punished because some jerk bought a gun illegally. It'd be like taking the video games away from both kids when one acts up. Right. Kind of. Yeah. I know dads that do that. Yeah. So, you know, we, we need to be mindful of your laws in your local area. We also need to be protecting our rights because the right to purchase a firearm leads to the right to protect yourself, which leads to you being able to have confidence when you deal with strangers in high dollar transactions. I mean, I bought my car off Craigslist. I have a 2008 Mercury Grand Marquis that I was able to get for a song because somebody had decided that they didn't want the car and they couldn't offload it. And so I drove a long way to get it and I bought it and I got it for cheap. But I was going across state lines with you know, over $10,000 in cash. You took a friend with you, did you not? I did, who was heavily armed. Heavily armed, and that's the point, is you don't want to go and meet these people unarmed in a parking lot somewhere or at their house or at the end of the road. Or Well, didn't that happen in Stone Mountain, something with a dog transaction? Someone was buying a dog? Yeah, that's that's the other one I was going to bring up is there was a transaction for a dog breeder and the person wanted to buy the dog after dark. That should have been clue number one. Yeah, you never want to do business deals after dark. No, and if you do have to do a business deal after dark, do it at the Wendy's or the McDonald's or somewhere that's well lit where there's a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Not Stone Mountain Park. Yeah, of all not, places. Not not somebody's house outside the park when the dark in the ghetto. Right. I mean, there, there's just some common sense here, and this goes along with you know how you're going to be prepared for anything. Is you want to use common sense. You don't want to panic. You don't want to get out of proportion. You want to do things that are rational and reasonable and take normal common sense steps. But there's no common sense left anymore. It's been drilled out of us through the public school system to the point where nobody has any sense at all. And common sense is taken away from the public school system. I, believe, I remember math class when the teachers would ask me, how did you get this answer? And I'm like, uh, math? <laughs> you know? Well, no, they wanted me to show them step-by-step step how I got the answer. Sometimes there's not a step-by-step. Step. Sometimes you look at it and you just see the answer. Mm. Sometimes you use a calculator. <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, folks, we're coming up on a commercial break. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to News Talk 1160, the talk of the town. And now back to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. Welcome back, folks. Uh, here we are talking about how to be prepared for everything this week and, and weather and Craigslist deals and having a gun and even tackling your state legislature smothered, covered, and, and scattered on on YouTube. So I believe that the state legislature is scattered enough without us attacking them. Yeah. Well, sometimes you wonder. Although there are some really good bills this year. I mean, you've seen some things here in Georgia that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, like the medical marijuana oil bill. Yeah, they, they're they wanting to 
um, take away the the laws that restrict the THC oil, right? Yep. And on top of that, I heard that there's a federal judge poised to rule that the classification as a Schedule One drug for cannabis is illegal. And if that happens in that one little district in the U.S., federal law on marijuana would be struck down, which, of course, would lead to an appellate decision, which would encompass about uh, a tenth of the entire United States, which would lead to a Supreme Court decision on it, which would encompass the whole United States. So the dominoes are starting to tip on marijuana. Well, see, I said probably 15 years ago that marijuana was regulated um, or turned illegal like prohibition on alcohol and that eventually those would be overturned like it was on alcohol and that that would then the sale would be regulated like alcohol sales are so a constitutional amendment yeah and i believe that that's probably what will happen here is is the the law will change and they will make dispensaries in places where you go purchase this and it'll be regulated and if it's found in your system while you're driving you know i, I would hire a good attorney like doug king I've done a few of those. Um, the The truth is, is that when prohibition came into effect, it was enacted by a constitutional amendment. And the reason was, is that the people who were pushing for prohibition did not want the law to simply be overturned in a couple of years when a new Congress came in. So they pushed, because they had the backing of the people, they pushed all the way for a constitutional amendment, because at that time, no constitutional amendment had ever been overturned. And prohibition lasted for a little, right around 10 years. And during that decade, we saw a rise in profiteering, in bootlegging, in uh, gangster cronyism where you were able to, to move large amounts of money because people are going to do what they want to do. And we've seen the same thing with marijuana. Now, personally, I cannot think of any more disgusting, destructive habits than ingesting uh, a drug in order to alter your mental state. I, I find that to be, on several levels, absolutely deplorable and hateful. But on the other hand, I also recognize that no amount of legislation is going to make someone do what you want them to do. You can punish them for it, but you cannot make someone do what you want. When we have legislation that outlaws something for the use for medical use, that that's where I think they've they've crossed the 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 boundaries of where they should be. Because I mean, even opiates are used for medical use, even well, though they're and any Schedule One drug can be used for medical use. It's just classified as being a highly dangerous sub- substance that needs to be regulated for its use. We'll see. In Georgia, that's not necessarily true because that cannabis oil, they're having to change our laws to, to be allowed to use that cannabis oil. Well, that's that's a federal law, but the state law can be more prohibitive than the federal law when it comes to drug possession. So the feds may say you simply have to have doctor's regulation of it, whereas the state can say, no, you cannot use it at all. The state's having to change their mind on it. Well, they're, they are changing. They don't have to, they need they to. are. They need to because a lot of people get treatment and relief out of these drugs do you know that there's studies online that show that cannabis oil helping cancer patients like recover and you know i think that some of that may be psychosomatic i think that some of it may be uh, problems with the study sample being too small (laughs) you have to remember that whenever you're doing human testing you can't do a, a true scientific study you can't have a control group that you watch and let die to have a control on how effective the different drugs are. 
I mean, the last people who attempted things like that were the Nazis on, on the Jewish population, and they did scientific s experiments to see how long humans could last in certain temperatures of water. And a lot, unfortunately, a lot of modern medical data on hypothermia and several other sub subjects comes from these experiments Nazis did killing people with it to see how long people last and what their tolerances were. And we use that information to build on to create different types of treatments and, and different projections and how to keep people safer. But you can't do a true scientific study on a human being. You have to do kind of this halfway where you're trying to – even your control group is getting treatment. And then it's really hard to isolate what treatment is doing what or how effective any particular treatment is. Throw into the fact that your study sample has to be small because you aren't going to be allowed to test on hundreds of thousands of people to see what it does. Whereas you could test on 100,000 rats to see its, its outcome. So then you've got the differences just in physiology. You know, some people can, you know, eat all day and stay thin. Other people eat almost nothing and gain weight. Well, would those two people have the exact same reaction to a medical course of treatment? Of course not, because they have different metabolisms. They have different physiologies. They have different biology. I mean, even, you know, their genetic structure is going to be different to some degree. And so that may give them a higher proclivity towards certain diseases where someone else who you could put on this miracle cure would never get the disease anyway because they don't have the right genetic structure for it so all of these factors come in and you can't really isolate things okay so i mean what i'm getting at here is that yeah there may be a study or two studies out there that say that this you know showed a, an increase in someone's longevity with cancer or showed a decrease in the cancer's ability to, to promulgate in the system but it's not one or two studies or even a hundred studies is not definitive. You have to have, you know, enough of a base to be able to get to it. And we don't have that sort of study right now because cannabis isn't allowed to be used federally. So there's no, there's no research being done on it. So basically, we're not going to try to find out what it can do simply because... Our government has a ban on it. I don't believe well, so. Out of, out I of, believe that there's a lot of of scientific studies that are done on cannabis without our government knowing. With, yeah. Well, it's interesting because you don't see people pushing for this kind of of research and legislation on soybeans or on. Um, you know, some Brazilian flower or other plant. The reason that marijuana is getting all the attention is because people want to smoke it to get high. And they are trying to find an excuse to be able to do that. I don't know that the cancer patients that want this for treatment are the ones that are trying to get high the off of it. The cancer patients who want it for treatment are desperate for anything. And, that well, will. you know, I live in chronic pain. And I could say that I, I can see that. Because when I'm in at my worst, I'll hang myself upside down to get relief. Mm -hmm. And the, the people who are in that position who are desperate... We'll listen to anybody. And then you've got people out there who have an agenda who want to push that, that marijuana is a miracle cure so that they can get it legalized across the board. There, when, when we talk about drugs, real medical drugs, there are no, nobody has you sit down when you're going into surgery and chew cocoa leaves. No one has you go and... Uh, grind up poppy seeds and eat them in mass no they just give you things that are derivatives, derivatives. or synthetics yes, of these that are that are that are 
produced and isolated and carry just the chemicals that they're looking for the response from. And that's what the cannabis oil is, is a derivative. With no THC in it. It has THC. THC is what gives you that response. We could, if, if we could figure out what part of it was actually doing something, you could break it apart and take away the mind-altering-ness of it and use just the chemicals that are needed and synthesize them, and then people couldn't get high off it. But so if you're you, telling me that people don't get high off of... Cocaine? No. Hydrocodone, mor- uh, morphine, Dilaudid. Is that what you're saying? Because the the farm big pharma has taken it down and breaking down to where it's only what you need. Is that what you're saying? Well, the the mind alteringness is what they're after in those because it alters your perception of pain. It those, needs to alter your perception of pain. That's the whole purpose. So, is the purpose of the marijuana oil to alter your perception of pain or to cure a disease? The some people use it to alter your perception of pain. That's that's the purpose that they're using it for is pain relief for most people. People that are using it medical marijuana for cancer and uh, amongst many, many other things, they're using it to alter their pain, to alter their perception of the pain. Mm-hmm. What it does is it, it alters the way that the nerve endings receive those pain messages. And so that's the goal is to be able to get high. No, it's not to get high. It's to knock off some of the pain. When you take a, a Norco or a hydrocodone or a Vicodin, to most people taking one of these medications after, say, they broke their arm, the goal is not to get high. The goal is to be able to operate semi-normally when you're in extreme pain. And what it does is it blocks those pain receptors. So if you take a, a normal dose, say a 5 milligram Norco with 325 milligrams of Tylenol in it, it won't get you high. It blocks your pain receptors. So why do you need marijuana? Well, we're coming up on commercial break. So we'll, we'll come back to this discussion when we come back in just a moment, folks. You're listening to Ready Radio right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town. And now back to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. Welcome back, everybody. We've been talking about a variety of things in this week's show. Uh, when we left, Aaron was discussing why medical marijuana is a good idea in Georgia. I'm not saying it's a good idea or a bad idea. See, that's where you're twisting my words. You like to do that, don't you? A little bit. Yeah, you love to do that, counselor. Anyway, it's not about whether I think it's good or bad. I, I can see both sides. I can see where it would be a pain to regulate it, and you couldn't prove if people were abusing it, and it would be hard to prosecute anybody at that point for abusing it or get them the help they need, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that under the right condi- conditions and in, in the right scope, it can be used to help people. Well, what I'm saying is that if if it has legitimate medical purpose, there is a way to extract that other than just the medical purpose being to alter somebody's perception of reality. At that point, I just give up because if that's your argument that medically you need this to alter a person's perception of reality because the other solutions we have, starting with aspirin and moving all the way up to you know, morphine, are insufficient and, and not – 
um, properly regulated or properly administered. Okay, that aside, if there are benefits, if there are cancer benefits, if there are other benefits, we should do regular uh, testing. We should have scientific studies. We should turn those that chemical into something that is less dangerous and not addictive or not mind altering, and use that because we don't we don't have people eat the whole plant and we don't have people smoke anything as a medication for major disease we isolate it and produce a serum or produce a, a pill that people can take that will deliver the concentrated dose of that chemical for their body to be able to use okay so basically you're saying that everybody that's on a schedule one painkiller should have their pain medicine taken away until big pharma can figure out a way to make it non well they 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 are no, and that's the if if the goal is pain relief then you reach a high level of regulation, which is why it's the Schedule 1. That's why if you go to get a refill on a pain medicine, you can't just have your doctor call it in. You have to go and be seen by your doctor and get a new prescription so that we know exactly who's getting what and there's less chance for people developing dependency or over-abusing it. And that's the reason I disagree with the marijuana coming off the Schedule 1 list, but being allowed to be used for certain medical conditions. And I don't think glaucoma is the medical condition that it could be used for. I think it needs to be used for, for serious medical conditions, chronic pain. Like my mama suffers with chronic pain, and she's on fentanyl. Mm -hmm. Fentanyl is very hard on your body. It um, causes problems with your heart for long-term use, causes problems with your circulation for long-term use. And if she could get on a medication that has the, the THC in it that would block the pain and get off of that fentanyl, it, it would um, improve her life. I just, I don't see that as really being an improvement of someone's life to have their mind altered, their perception of reality taken away from them. I, I don't, I, and see, I don't see how a perception of your pain is a perception of reality because that's what it affects. It doesn't, if you take it in small, minute amounts, marijuana doesn't affect your reality it's you're not high i mean it's it's the same thing as taking one valium and taking th three valiums okay you take three you're all messed up you take one and it's doing what it's supposed to do that's the reason these things are graduated out in different dosages because different people need different amounts for it to work without altering the reality and see what you're doing here is you see this as as drunkenness mm -hmm. very much so but you're wrong because when I take my medicine now, when I first started taking the medication, it did some things to me until your body gets adjusted to it. But after a while of taking it, you're, it doesn't alter your reality. Okay. I, I don't. I have, you, have you even ever taken a Vicodin? No. A, a Norco? I, I have never taken a narcotic medication, even when I was prescribed them. I don't do that. I, okay. I take it back. I take it back. When I was in Alaska, I had an extremely bad virus or flu or cold or something i was dying you'd whooping cough i had whooping cough that's what it was that's yeah. what it was yes and i was dying and i was in court and i was having to try a felony case and i was so bad that i couldn't hardly breathe and i almost passed out in court and i went to the emergency room and they gave me a cough syrup with codeine in it so you were sipping on scissor in court, and, Doug. <laughs> and I, I took that before I went to bed that night. And I woke up in the middle of the night with my tongue swollen up so much that I had to use a spoon to push my tongue down uh -huh. to be able to put children's Benadryl down my throat to keep from dying. You were allergic to codeine. Yeah. And I that was the only narcotic I've ever taken in my entire life. Well, 
Wow. And I, I don't take aspirin. I don't take Tylenol. I don't take Advil. I don't. I will take an antibiotic when I'm sick, but that's it. I'm not going to take. I'm not going to put drugs into my body. Well, I have a, a chronic injury that I am under medical care for, and I am on Norco daily. And I'm not drunk on Norco, and it doesn't even block all of my pain. I still hurt through it. But it takes enough of the edge off to where I'm not in bed in tears every day. And that's a big improvement to what my life would be without the Norco. Don't you agree? Yeah. And I'm not denying that you should have medication that you're lawfully prescribed. But what I am saying is that the marijuana movement is not about getting people medication that they're lawfully prescribed. It's about opening up a floodgate to let people do whatever they want. And I think a lot of the beginning of the marijuana movement was for people that were suffering with chronic pain. I think a lot of it was for aging hippies who were tired of going to jail, and they wanted to see this changed. And then when they they turn around and say, we want to change this, people say, well, why? And they say, because I want to get high, doesn't fly. So instead, they came up with, well, it's got medical use. Well, what is it? Well, we don't know, but we'll find it. And they went and found it. Okay, so they went and found the medical use for it. And the medical use right now that I know of, that I can say that I, have, I know for sure because of studies, is pain relief. Well, that's now, not- now, let me tell you what happens when we legalize the marijuana. Have you seen what's happened in Colorado and Washington State with it legalized? We're in the money. $44 million in tax revenue for 2014. Which is a drop in the bucket when you need a billion dollars for roads and bridges. $44 million that they would not have had. Yeah, but it's not... It's in addition to what they already had. Right, but when you look at the budget deficits and the budgets that states run, $44 million is really nothing. I mean, honestly, it's not. Because uh, I think Georgia is running a $30 billion budget right now. And so you think about that, that's only 1% of the overall budget. So, you know, if you make $50,000 a year, that's like getting an extra five hundred. Is it? A, is it significant that you find $500? Yeah, you'd love it. If you look at it in terms of what you make in a year at 50 grand, no, it's not anything. You know? So then that's really what what marijuana taxes come in. I mean, it's it's a nice little, oh, well that's neat, but it's not enough to actually alter a budget or really say, "Wow, this is something that we need to consider to change the way people's lives are as taxpayers." Well, I'm just saying that it it brought in tax revenue. Yeah. And so does a one-cent sales tax. So what happens when you stop prosecuting everybody that's using marijuana? They have a recreational marijuana mm-hmm. in, in Colorado. And I've seen this with my own eyes. I walked into a Flying J bathroom in, in Boulder. Was yeah. it Boulder? What no, it was you, Denver. What did you do there? We got high. I walked into the bathroom and I smelled marijuana. And my first thought was... Holy crap, they're going to jail. And then I realized where I was. I was like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> but, well, you know, police in other states were pulling people over with Colorado tags on suspicion that they had marijuana. That's not f- fair. Not fair, no, but it is true. <laughs> yeah, but it's not fair. But, you know, the, the, the marijuana, I'm not saying that it's, uh, hey, everybody, you know, you should go out and get some marijuana. I don't agree. I believe that this should be used solely as a Schedule One medication for treatment of chronic pain <coughs> and other illnesses that that a doctor deems necessary. Glaucoma, come on, people, you can get some drops, put it in your eyes. That's not the game. What What about the legislator who's willing to to become a bootlegger to run the oil back from 
I guess, Colorado to supply all of these poor kids who are going to become dying orphans without marijuana oil. What do you mean poor kids that are going to become dying orphans? You know, there's one mother here in Atlanta that's that's fighting that law herself mm-hmm. because her son needs that cannabis oil to, to get well from whatever kind of cancer he has. And he's been treated at Children's, I believe. I've read this article. You know, instead of spending the money to fight changing the law, it might be easier to just go Move get, there. get the, yeah. You know, that you, everyone talks about this, but, you know, there's a way to vote with your feet, too. You can go to where it's legal if you think that something's good. That's, this is why I do not live in California or Massachusetts or New York, by We the are way. voting against those with our feet. Yeah. I, I don't want to have anything to do with their crazy laws, and so I am staying way out of there. And if you like their crazy laws, go move there, where you can enjoy the laboratories of democracy that are the individual states, and you can have all of the crazy laws you want without affecting my freedom. <laughs> you know, folks, one of the things that we try to do every week is have a true prep product of the week. And this week, I think that their book on herbal remedies is very appropriate. There, there's a book that has all sorts of things that are natural, that are not marijuana, that you can use to get better and healthier and prevent colds and flus and, and heal wounds and things that will save you money over big pharma and keep you from putting toxic chemicals into your body. Things like honey and lavender and chamomile. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Natural. Do you know that cinnamon will lower your blood sugar? And blood pressure. And blood pressure. And so garlic. In fact, cinnamon apparently does all sorts of things with cinnamon blood. Cinnamon is a natural um, antibiotic as well. There you go. So go check out a book on herbal remedies from True Prep. Swing by their store at 1000 Cobb Parkway North and, and say hello to all the good people there. Folks, if you have any questions for us, reach out to us at Aaron at ReadyRadio.net or Doug at ReadyRadio.net. You can also reach me at my law firm at Doug at KingsLawOffice.com if you have any legal trouble. Um, this has been a very exciting episode. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter or go to readyradio.net to listen to this or any other episode from our vast library of former episodes. Folks, enjoy your Saturday. This is Ready Radio signing off. You've been listening to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. It's emergency preparedness for everyone. Brought to you by True Prep. For all your prepping needs, visit True Prep online at truprep.com or visit a True Prep store in Roswell or Marietta. Tune in each week as Doug and Aaron get you ready for anything that comes your way. Ready Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.